your bootstraps are broken. Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. Really, probably most of the people of the world are trying to pull themselves up to heaven by their bootstraps. For those who first read the book of Hebrews, it would have been sandal straps. But whether we put our faith in the works of the law, symbolized by Moses, or seek help from supernatural agents like angels, the root of the error is a subtle rejection of Christ. On Monday and Tuesday, Jim has taught us that faith is the reality. He'll finish that sermon today. How does Moses become the accuser of the Jewish people who hope in Moses? Here's here's the answer in a heartbeat. Everything that was said on Mount Sinai was said by Jesus. He's the one who's dictating all that. Everything that was written in the Ten Commandments and the law, that whole covenant, was predicated upon Jesus, not Moses. If all you got is the law, that law will condemn you because you are incapable of producing the righteousness of God out of your own effort. And that was the purpose of the law. That's why God gave the law, to show these people they needed a redeemer. They needed a savior. They needed someone who would come and on their behalf fulfill all the roles of prophet, priest, and king, and on their behalf become the Lamb of God, and on their behalf die the death which would provide salvation. All Moses could do was say, God says, if you sin, you're dead. And if you want to prove that you can be righteous by keeping the law, here's the law. But you can't accomplish that. You can't keep the law. That's why blood sacrifices were absolutely essential. That's why the tabernacle was critical to the law. The law could only condemn. The law could only point the finger and say, do good or you're damned. Do righteousness or you're dead. Keep the whole law, never violate it in attitude, motivation, or action, or your toast. That's what the law said. And that's all the law could say when it came to human effort. And that's what Jesus is saying here. You, you, folks, you folks are hanging on to Moses and the law and the tabernacle and the temple and the sacrifices and all these. That's not going to get you there. That's designed to prove to you you can't get there apart from an intercessor, apart from a Messiah, apart from someone who can come and fulfill all the law perfectly as a man and then be willing to take the burden of your condemnation upon himself, die the death that you deserve, and in that death, form a propitiation or a place of redemption in the heart of God. See that? You get it? You get it? (laughs) Well, at least talk about it over the next cup of coffee. Jesus looked at those law practicers, those who were followers of Moses, who were rejecting Jesus' claim that I came from the Father, the Father sent me, 
And they're saying, we don't want you. We don't believe in you. We won't have you. And he's saying, apart from me, Moses is your accuser. What Moses wrote, that you worship and value, all of that condemns you, proves that you're a sinner. You need somebody outside that system, beyond that system, above that system, who can provide for you a grace-filled salvation independent of your efforts, and then give it to you as a gift. Got it? Okay, back then to Hebrews chapter 3. As we consider Jesus, the writer says he is, he's in a whole different league than Moses. He is faithful as Moses was faithful. But he begins at a different point and ends up in a whole different Conclusion, if you're only trusting Moses and only trusting the law and only doing your best to keep the law, you're toast. You're not going to make it. You must come to Jesus Christ. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. That's what Jesus said. And Hebrews is written to take that and put it in smaller bites to show what that means, show that works out. So Moses was faithful at his time in his service serving God, but what Moses did and what Moses provided could not provide a salvation for those who are sinners by nature and choice. It won't work. That's why Jesus came. And so Jesus, we read, Jesus is faithful to the one who appointed him. Jesus was appointed by God to come into the world and to be our Savior, become our Savior. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Jesus was appointed. And later we're going to study that he was faithful. He didn't do, say, or speak. He didn't do, say, or or think anything, Jesus didn't, but what was the will of the Father? He always did what pleased the Father. And the Father several times in miraculous manifestation gave testimony that he was pleased with this one. This is my well-beloved Son in whom I am exceedingly pleased. Why? Because he always was faithful, always obeyed the one who appointed him. So he performed the reason he came into the world perfectly. Now Moses was also faithful, but uh, Moses was a guy building a house. And the house really was the house that Jesus owned all the way back to Adam, all the way back to Enoch, all the way back to Noah, all the way back to Abraham. Nobody goes to heaven except on the basis of the merit of Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? That is critical to your faith. Nobody gets there by pulling on their own bootstraps. 
It's one of the reasons why God gave Adam and Eve coats of skin. An animal had to die. There had to be death. There had to be a substitute. The payment for their sin needed to be dealt with. And so God, in typical teaching form, provided them covering at the death of an animal, picturing the one who would come and be the Lamb of God. Okay. <laughs> Verse 6, Jesus was faithful as a son over his household, whose household we are. We are the household. We, are, we have benefited from the work of Moses, but Moses doesn't save us. We have benefited from the insight and experience of being examined by the law of God, which was for the Israeli people, part of the covenant to the Old Testament people. But we look at it and see it as it is indeed the covenant of God's righteousness expounded, and it brings conviction to our lives, just like it did the Jews, and forces us to ask, oh God, how can I be saved? I can't save myself. That's what Romans is all about. That's what Romans goes on to teach. But I want to make one other point before we, before we close it down tonight. We are his household. We are the house that Jesus built. Now watch. Verse 12. I'm going to skip over that quotation of the Old Testament. We'll come back there next week. Watch out, brothers, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. Mark this phrase that departs from the living God. But encourage one another daily, while it's still called today, so that none of you, mark this, is hardened by sin's deception. What the writer is saying is that there's no neutral ground here. No neutral ground. If you're going to take the Moses road, absolute perfection of thought, mind, and deed, all your life with no deviation, whatever, if that's the path you're going to pursue, okay, you're following a deceptive path. You're being deluded by sin. You're not escaping. You're bringing condemnation upon yourself. Let me say that a little differently. Watch out, brothers, so that there won't be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that departs from the living God. Your problem, my problem, is our heart. Jeremiah said our hearts are incredibly wicked. We can't understand the depth of perversion, the depth of distortion that we were born with, because we were born in sin. And there is no other power in the universe that can correct that and cure that but faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. And until you put faith in Jesus Christ, you are going to be subject to the workings of evil that reside in your unbelieving heart. See, that's why Hebrews is so critical it says you can't choose one and get the other. It says you, you, can't, you can't refuse to listen to God. You can't take God's promises in Jesus Christ and treat them lightly. 
You can't be distant from God and not be affected. That's what it's saying. And the second part of it, that distance from God, that discomfort with God, that moving away from God because you feel, you feel condemned, you feel uncertain, you feel uneasy, that moving away from God then results in a hardening. You see that? Hardening through sin's deception. What looks to you to be the best apple in the garden is the worst thing you should be doing. That's sin's deception. When you're looking around and saying, I'll evaluate, I'll evaluate this on my own terms, thank you. I'll agree with this and disagree with this. My brother and sister, that's deceptive. That's thinking that you, on your own, unaided, can figure out how really dead you are in trespasses and sins. And that's ignoring the fact that as you distance yourself from God and refuse to come to him humbly and, and receive him, when you, when you distance yourself from God's word, your heart hardens, hardens, hardens. It becomes insensitive to the pull, the tug, or the spirit of God. The Bible no longer is relevant. <laughs> at the sweetest email today, a dear, dear, long, li not lifelong, but a long, long friendship, uh, wrote an email today and said, oh, Pastor Jim, for the last X years, I've just been reading the Bible every day. I've known Jesus Christ as my Savior for more than three decades. But until recently, I didn't ever read his word daily. I can't believe what's happening. As I read God's word, just read God's word, just read God's word, I can't believe it. And I thought, praise the Lord, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. You're coming to the word of God. You're, you're, you're drawing to the word of God. You have ears to hear. You want to know what God has said and you're believing what God has said and it's transforming your life. And the question was, <laughs> should, I, should I get a concordance? Should I get a Bible dictionary in order to? And I said, no, 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 don't do that. You're just hanging there with the book. And when you sincerely open the book and read it, read it, read it, read it, who teaches you? God, the Spirit will teach you. And you'll really learn it. Okay, this is the second warning passage in the book of Hebrews. We'll start off there again next week. My dear friend, Hebrews screams the issue of your faith, your relationship with Jesus Christ, your attitude toward his word and the promises contained in it, the sincerity with which you embrace them, hunger for them, eat them, are incredibly important to your spiritual life, to your future. And I don't know another book in the Bible that puts such emphasis on you can't be neutral toward the things of God without regressing without your heart becoming hardened. Now, what's the author's point here? Who were these people that died in the wilderness? Why, they were people that Moses led out of Egypt. Think about that. 
They had seen the ten miracles. They had eaten the manna. They had stood at the bottom of Mount Sinai. They had heard the thundering and the rest of it. They had done all of that, and yet when they went to Kadesh Barnea, we'll finish next week. Here's the point. Here's the point. Here's the point. You can't be neutral to the promises of God in Jesus Christ. How you treat this book and how you receive its promises and how I believe and practice this book, how I read it and hunger for it will give me increase in the ways of God, the thoughts of God. And when I take the attitude, well, I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven, I got a crown waiting for me up there, so I don't really need to go to church, I don't really need to do this, I don't really need to do that, I don't really need to, you know, forsake the assembling of yourselves, that, that's in Hebrews. I said, why? why is that important? Because you need to give heed to the Word of God. If we don't give heed to the Word of God, the Spirit of God within us, is frustrated. Our hearts become hard and we become insensitive to sin. Our Father, these are so patient people, dear, dear friends. Thank you for their willingness to, to listen. They didn't really come to hear me tonight. They came to hear you. They, they really want to know what this book says and they want to know how this book can change their lives. And you told me to assure them that this book will change their lives because this book leads to Jesus Christ. And it's through faith in him, trusting him, being sensitive, alert, and responsive to the things that he says, does, and to the future that is his. That future which is his is, is the future we're going to share. And we can't go through life on automatic pilot. We just can't. And we need to be careful, as Jesus said, that uh, we're not swallowed up by eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, planting, trading, all those things that are so normal and natural to the natural man, even those that do not know the truth. This book is to tell us that just because I asked Jesus into my heart at age seven in my bedroom, that 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 wasn't the end. That was the beginning. I'm not to quit. I should be more excited about the things in this book than I am anything else in this whole world. The words of the hymn writer are accurate. I need to turn my eyes upon Jesus. I need to look into his wonderful face. If I will, the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Oh, that those who followed Moses out of Egypt would have learned that lesson. Every morning they ate miracle bread and they came to the place where they loathed it. They hated it. They despised it. Their hearts had become so hardened. And out of that hardness of heart, they made a dastardly wrong decision. And they died in the wilderness. You don't want that for any of us, Lord Jesus. You want us to be full in faith. You want us to be growing in faith. You want us to abound in grace. 
You want us to be anticipating, looking for the return of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You want us to be standing on tiptoes, longing, expecting, yearning to see his face. Because then, and perhaps not till then, we'll understand that uh, you have real purpose in us living here. Perhaps the major purpose is that we would grow in grace and knowledge, that we would grow in kindness, gentleness, and love for each other. We would be more and more encouraging each other and supporting each other and praying for each other. And our rugged individualism would melt and disappear. And in its place, we would radiate things that are true of Jesus because his spirit controls our lives. So Father, tonight, help us to consider Jesus. Consider him, ponder him, study him. He is the apostle and high priest of our confession. Help us not to consign these things to boys and girls in Sunday school but to understand there are things in this book that will rattle the chains of the oldest and wisest and most spiritual among us. Remind us that as long as we have breath, we are to praise you and we are to seek to be more like you. Your spirit wants to do that. So help us to become men and women who pursue that goal. Thank you, Father for speaking to our hearts by your spirit. Energize us with truth. Transform us by your grace. Help us to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, to set our affection on things above, and to look for that day when we will be just like Jesus. Bless these friends, give them a safe journey home, guide them through the rest of this week, enable us to face every challenge and every obstacle in the confidence that you will lead us and guide us. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We are the house that Jesus built if the Apostle writes, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope of which we boast. Christians boast? Yes, we boast in the cross of Jesus, where God reconciled sinners to himself. Our faith must be centered in that or we're in trouble. Pastor Jim has preached a three-part sermon called Faith is the Reality. If you'd like to get the whole message on CD, we'll send it to you for a gift of $7 or more. The current series is available as an album of 19 discs, yours for an offering of $66 or more. The series title is God's Ultimatum, Volume 1. If you are comforted, encouraged, and sometimes challenged by what you hear on Right Start, please consider helping to keep it on the air. That's a blunt way of saying that your prayers and financial gifts are needed and very much appreciated. May God bless you, our partners and friends. You can call us at 1-800-984-2313. That's 800-984-2313. Or send a note or check to Right Start, P.O. Box 437, 
Worthington, Ohio, 43085 USA. And visit the website, rightstartradio.org. You'll be able to play radio programs there or play or download the complete sermons. Those downloads are free. And we'll show you how to subscribe to Right Start as a daily Apple podcast. To email us, make a donation, or something else, go to rightstartradio.org. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. When the Jews thought about Moses, what was their mistake? Had they raised his pedestal too high? Please join us on Thursday for the next Right Start. Thank you.